0: Oh, brilliant. Well, good morning, everyone. I've loved it this morning. How good has it been? It's been so good. Just what's not to love? People sharing about how God has changed their lives. Um, I don't really think there's anything else I can add. I think you've heard it already. You've heard what God can do, you've heard that lives can be transformed. Um, you know, we've seen firsthand the difference that God can make. So I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Um, I am here, though, so I might as well say something, hey. So uh, let's see. (laughs) If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning it, have it open to Matthew 21. So, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, please grab one at the end, all right? We've got loads of Bibles available on the table outside, all right? So, do grab a Bible. Don't leave here without one if you'd like a Bible this morning. So for the last few months, we've been going through Jesus' life as it's told in Matthew's gospel, all right? And in our story, we've reached the key point of Jesus' life. We've reached the part that the whole story has been building up to. We've reached the final week of Jesus' life, Easter week, all right? The week that shapes Christianity, the week that changed the world forever, and last week, Shirley shared a story about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on his look at this towel on your hair in church. I love that. That's <laughs> what I look like when I come out of the shower most mornings. <laughs> I don't have that much hair. Anyway, let's not get distracted. So Shirley talked about how there was this hero's welcome for Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. A little bit like when a football team wins a trophy and they have a parade through the city. We're not used to that in Teesside, are we? Middlesbrough don't win much. But uh, real football teams win trophies and have a parade through the city, as you can see. People come out and celebrate their heroes. And that was a little bit like what it was like as Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That people were worshipping him, they were so excited to see him there. So keep that day in your mind, that was a Sunday. The following day is the Monday, and we find one of my favourite stories in the Bible. We find the story of angry Jesus. Alright, you might not have heard this story. Jesus goes into the temple and starts flipping tables over. And he gets this whip, a homemade whip, and starts whipping things, alright? This is definitely in the Bible, I promise you, okay? If you think Jesus is all cuddly and lovely, you want to read this story. So Jesus causes a bit of a stir on the Monday. And the story that we find here, the scene that we're going to be looking at this morning, takes place on the Tuesday, okay? So it's on the Tuesday, and we're going to look at three stories that Jesus tells to the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, the important people in the city. The Bible calls these people Pharisees, but there had been various religious leaders there, and these were the people that others would have looked up to. They were the righteous ones. They were the good people. People would have looked at them and thought, these are the ones we need to model. And these were also the people who were absolutely sick of Jesus. They were plotting and scheming ways to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of Jesus as soon as they could. And the way they wanted to get rid of him and trip him up in this instance was to try and um, confuse him and catch him out with different questions so they could have some evidence to use against him. All right, so that's sort of a bit of a background as to the stories that we're looking at. And remember, Jesus here is talking in parables, all right? I've spoken about this before. A parable is a story with a hidden meaning. This is Jesus telling a story in a way that um, people will relate to. He's using a story to explain a real complex truth. You see, Jesus was never boring. Like You know when some people preach and you get a little bit bored and your eyes start to go, Do you know when some people are talking, like hopefully it's not happening today yet, but usually when someone starts talking and your eyes start to go and you get, but for me it's usually when someone's talking about politics or history or Love Island, something like that, like my eyes start to go. Like Jesus was never like that. Jesus never had that effect on people. Jesus brought about excitement. People who were listening to Jesus would find him engaging, engaging. Jesus would ask these big questions and then allow people to draw their own conclusions as they kind of processed what he was saying. So as we look at these stories today, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to think about the original context, think about what Jesus was saying, but also try and relate it to your life now. What do these stories say to you? What can you apply to your life based on these stories? Let's draw our own conclusions this morning and see what we learn does that sound all right? Okay, so the first story is found in Matthew 21, 28 to 32. And it's a really short story about two sons. All right, and this is a really simple story about a dad asking his two sons to go and work in the field. All right? And the first son says, no, I'm not going to go. I don't want to go and do it. I'm not going to go and work in the field. But then eventually he changes his mind and goes to work. Whereas the second son says, yes, dad, I'll go. I'll go and go to work in the field for you. I'll do it. But he never actually goes. It's a really simple story. Jesus was saying, one son said he wasn't, but then did. The other son said he would, but then didn't. He went back on his promise to his dad. And this story couldn't be any simpler or clearer. Jesus was asking people to compare the two sons. The one who says yes and doesn't do, And the one who says no, but then does. He goes on to do as he was asked. And Jesus was clever here because he was aiming this story at the religious leaders. You see, these religious people, they would say yes to God. On the outside, it looked like they were doing what God wanted. They would parade around looking righteous and holy. From the outside, they were doing everything that they should be to follow God apart from the fact that they really weren't. You see, when they were face-to-face with Jesus, when they met the living God, their hearts were hard. They were against God's Son, they were against God. They said the right things, they looked like they were doing the right things, but they didn't obey the way of God. Now, if you compare that with the people that Jesus was hanging around with, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the bad people, Jesus was saying, like, they might have, on the face of it, rejected God. They didn't live up to the religious standards. It didn't look right from the outside. They didn't quite make the grade. They weren't quite good enough. But actually, when they were confronted with Jesus, when they met God, they changed and decided to follow him. On the face of it, they'd rejected God. But actually, when the push came to shove, they followed him. You see, this is a story not about promise, but about performance. It's not about what you say to God or about God. It's about what your life reflects. All right, remember what I said about the, uh, at the start. Let's apply this to our lives. What might it look like for us to be the second son? We might say the right things. We might come to church. We might look like we're doing the right things for God, but if our hearts are far from him, if there's no change in our lives, then we've missed the point. This is challenging stuff, isn't it? Let me ask you, is your life now different to how it was before you met Jesus? Are you being less selfish? Are you swearing less? Are you spending more time around good people? Are you inspired to pray and read your Bible? Those are all real examples for my life. I remember when I became a Christian 15, 16 years ago, I remember seeing those changes in my life. If you can't answer yes to that question of whether your life looks different, maybe you need to come back to God today. If your life's not looking different, Maybe there's a bit of a change that needs to happen. See, the big thing about this story is it's not about what people say, it's about what they do with their lives. And there's something in this for us as a church. See, Jubilee, let's not just be a church that says the right thing and looks good on paper. Let's be a church that does the right thing. Let's be radical, spirit-filled people that look different to the rest of the world. When people encounter Christians, they should notice a difference. Like, what is it about these people? You know, this week I was chatting to someone who's not a Christian, and she said to me, do you know what? The more Christians I meet, and I'm meeting a few of them now, the more Christians that I meet, the more I realise that you guys are good people. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you do good things. You help people. You've got joy. That's what she was saying as a non-Christian. People should notice the fruit in our lives. Because when we encounter Jesus, something changes. All right? So straight off the back of that story, Jesus tells another story, this time about a vineyard. We'll read this one together, all right? It's in Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. The words will be behind me on the screen. Let's read it together. So Jesus talking, he says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit, and the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them in the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What a story, eh? See, again, Jesus is aiming this story at the religious leaders. He's having another go at the religious people. They would have been very aware of the fact that he was aiming this at them because this story reflects an earlier story found in the Old Testament at the start of the Bible in Isaiah 5. There was a very similar story. So the Jewish leaders would have known that Jesus was talking about them. And in case you've not picked up on it, let's just explain who is who in the story, okay? The landowner would, of course, have been God. The vineyard would have been the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. That's quite a common picture in the Bible. The tenants, those looking after the vineyard, would have been the religious leaders at the time. The servants who went to deliver the message, they would have been the prophets. And finally, the son would, of course, have been Jesus. You're paying attention, that's good. See, this story was a metaphor. Jesus was keeping people interested, but it was also a real history of the Jewish people. God had tried to warn them on several occasions. He would sent various prophets to tell them to change their ways, but the people didn't listen. Their hearts, as I said earlier, were hard. So now he was sending his son, and soon they were going to kill him. That's what was going to happen at the end of this week. Jesus was making something really clear here. The Jewish people, the nation of Israel, had rejected God, and that had consequences. Let's carry on reading, all right? Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Well, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. So Jesus was explaining that things were going to change. Because the Jewish people had rejected him, Because they'd missed the opportunity, there will be other tenants. There will be other people who get to inherit the kingdom of God. There would be others who get to be in a relationship with God. And that's exactly what God has done. God built a new community, the church. A beautiful, diverse, and free people, as we've been seeing this morning. This is where we come into it today. We are the new tenants. And what can we apply from this story to our lives? Well, first of all, hallelujah, we get to come and know Jesus, don't we? Why aren't you all excited about that? Come on, we get to know Jesus, yeah. We're accepted even though we aren't Jewish. We're not part of the nation of Israel, but we get to know God. That's something that's worth celebrating, right? The second thing to look at, though, is this part about a cornerstone. See, Jesus refers to himself as the cornerstone. He's quoting from Psalm 118. And there's a lot of visitors here today, but anyone who knows me will know that I'm not very good at building, okay? I can barely build a Lego house. I'm not very good at building. But um, I did a little bit of research on what a cornerstone was, all right? Like most scholars, I went on Wikipedia and found out what a cornerstone is. And this is what I found out, okay? It says a cornerstone, or foundation stone, or setting stone, is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Quite an important stone, right? I love that, see, Jesus is calling himself the foundation. He's saying that he is the thing that we should build on. Jesus is the thing that determines the entire position of our lives. We build on Jesus. And that's the most important decision you can ever make. That's something I've, when I made that decision to follow Jesus and build on him, it's something I've never looked back on. I've never regretted it. It's the most important thing you can do. And you know what? This is a message that we can take to people as well. We can take this message outside of the church. Hey, is your life without purpose? Are you lost? Are you lacking direction? Build on the cornerstone. Get the foundations right. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, at the end of the story, Jesus goes on to say that there are two responses to this cornerstone. We either build on it or we fall on it. There will be judgment. God's given us the answer. He's saying, build on the foundation. Build on Jesus. But the opposite of that, the opposite of that is facing the consequences. Eternity Without him, separated from God. That's where we all are unless we put our trust in Jesus. That's what we've heard this morning, some of the stories. So This is challenging stuff that Jesus is sharing. But I've got a question for you this morning. Are you building on that cornerstone? Have you built your life on Jesus? Are you allowing him to set the direction of your life? Because if you're not, if you're not, this morning you can make that decision to make him central in your life. And as I've said, that's the most important decision that you can ever make. And we'll have an opportunity to do that at the end. All right, I'm two-thirds of the way through. If you, like I said at the start, I start to fall asleep now, okay. <laughs> we're coming in the third, th- I was going to say third quarter, but we're not we're coming to the, the third third. I, I don't know what that is in sport in terms, if there's any sports that have three-thirds. Let's get back to it. Okay, the third and final story that we're going to look at this morning is another interesting one, okay? This one is about a wedding, okay? A royal wedding, actually. A royal wedding banquet. And uh, it's pretty long, but it's worth reading. So let's give it a read in our Bibles. It should appear on the screen behind us. So Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet." to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My ox and fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Then the rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone that you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man was there who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friends? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Another challenging one this morning. Again, you guessed it, Jesus is aiming this story at the religious leaders, okay? They had been invited to a banquet. They'd been invited in by God. They'd been chosen by God. They'd been given the opportunity to be made right with him, but they didn't listen. And the story takes another weird turn. Not only did the people reject the party, but they actually murdered the servant, the one who was inviting them. And this is again linked to the prophets in the Old Testament. So the result of rejecting the invite was that other people would be invited into the banquet instead. Those people who were on the edge, those who would not have expected an invite. This is just another example of Jesus showing that the gospel is for everyone. That's a main theme, if you've not picked up on it this morning. The gospel is for everyone. Everyone gets to come in and experience the banquet. But remember, not everyone is going to accept the invite. Don't get discouraged. See, like the servant in this story, we should go out and do the same. We should go out into the streets and invite as many people as possible in to enjoy the banquet. We should go out into the communities that we live in, in the places that we spend most of our time, and we should invite people in to experience this beautiful, amazing banquet. Let me challenge you. This October, our next Alpha course is starting. We've heard a little bit about Alpha this morning. Who are you going to invite to try Alpha this year? Who are you going to invite to explore some of life's biggest questions? Maybe if you're visiting here this morning, maybe you want to come and try Alpha yourself. This year, we're going to be really encouraging you about the power of the invite. We've got some really creative ways. We're going to be praying for people and inviting them over the summer, all right? Start thinking now, who could you invite to this banquet? Who could you invite to try Alpha? Okay, what else can we take on from this story? I'm nearly done, don't worry. But the first thing that we can look at is the fact that God does offer us a banquet, God does offer us a banquet. This is a quote from one of my favorite footballers of all time, the absolute genius, uh, Brazilian player, Kaká, uh, one of the best footballers ever. He says this, I love this quote, he says, to those who already know Jesus, you have made the best choice and are in the best team. Go ahead, do not give up. To those who have not yet surrendered their lives to Jesus, what are you doing being outside of this team? Come and learn the word of God. Come and know who God really is. This is the part I love. Stop eating cookies while God offers us a banquet. Stop eating cookies while God offers us a banquet. What does it mean that God offers us a banquet? Well, it means that everything else that the world offers, temporary pleasures, relationships, money, status, job, those things are like, Cookies, like, they're all right. We don't don't mind eating cookies, but you can't just eat cookies, right? They're not lasting. They don't last forever. They're okay. They might provide you with a bit of temporary pleasure. But when compared to the banquet over here that God's offering you, who's going to eat cookies? Like, you can see ham and meat and Iranian rice and chicken. and uh, Like, leave these cookies and come and eat the meat, right? Vegans, I'm sorry. Okay, come to the banquet, all right? God has more for us than the world could ever offer. He offers us everlasting peace, purpose, freedom, joy. All of these things are lasting things. These are all of the things that God offers us. Don't waste your life eating cookies when God offers you a banquet. And the very last thing to look at in terms of this story is the final character that we see in verse 11. It starts with, uh, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. This is a weird ending of the story because on one hand, the servants gone out into the streets and invited everybody in. So everyone's been invited in, everyone's been allowed to come to the wedding. But on the other hand, you have this man who's come not dressed for the wedding, getting thrown out by the king. What's all that about? Well, this is actually a key part of the story. See, this person can't be left out of the story because this person represents someone who kind of half responds to Jesus. They're kind of almost there. They're half showing interest in Jesus, but then nothing really changes. Like they come coming to the banquet and they're kind of almost there, but there's no real commitment. There's no real letting Jesus in. And this story is saying that that is a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous position to be in. You see, we too can be in that place. We can kind of half get it. We can half come to the banquet. We can like come to church or be kind of generally positive about Christians. We might come along and sit in the pews. We might be thinking, yeah, this is all right, but we never make that decision to follow Jesus. Rather than being all in for Jesus, we kind of go through the motions. We're kind of lukewarm. But what this story is saying is that we, we need to be all in for God. We can't half be at the banquet. We can't be lukewarm. We need to be all in. That's what it means to follow Jesus. See, coming to the party in your own clothes Being on the edge, it's not enough. It's not enough. When we encounter Jesus, as I said earlier, it needs to lead to change. And that's vitally important. Look, you might be listening to that and feeling a little bit convicted. Maybe you've been a little bit lukewarm lately. Maybe you've just been kind of going through the motions in church a little bit. Don't stay there. Don't be lukewarm. Go all in for Jesus. Don't come to the wedding in your own clothes. Don't be stood at the banquet in your tracky bottoms. Come on, come in to the banquet. Be all in for Jesus. Maybe you've never fully responded to God. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing all of this stuff. You can make that decision today to follow Jesus. You can come to the party. Don't stand outside eating cookies. Come into the banquet this morning. If I can get the band up, please, I'm just about done. If the band could come up. Um, There are a few things in here that I've talked about this morning. If I can get the ministry team as well, please, just to go to the sides. Um, There's a few things I've talked about this morning that uh, I've challenged you with, and I just want to recap a couple of those, all right? The first thing we said is, what does your life look like at the moment? Is your life reflecting the changes that Jesus makes? Because if it's not, If you feel like your life's kind of gone off course a little bit, if you feel like you're not kind of living for God, your life's not reflecting Jesus, this morning you can put a stop to that and you can come receive prayer and say, actually, I want to be reflecting Jesus. I want my life to be reflecting him. Secondly, I talked about building on the cornerstone. Is Christ the foundation of your life? Is he the one that's setting the direction of your life? If he isn't this morning, if you aren't building on the cornerstone, you can do that. You can choose to build on the foundation that is Jesus. You can make that step. Come out to the front. We've got some guys that decided love to pray with you and explain a little bit about what it means to be a Christian. You can make that decision this morning to build on the cornerstone. And finally, we talked about the banquet. Have you been missing the banquet? Have you been eating cookies outside? Maybe you've been part of church for a long time. Today you can make a decision to be all in for Jesus. Don't be at the banquet in your own clothes. Be all in for Jesus. So if you feel that's for you this morning, please come in the front as we sing and uh, receive some prayer. All right, don't leave here today without meeting with God. While we stand, I'm going to pray, and then as the band lead us, you can go out and receive some prayer at the side. If you're able to, let's stand and I'll pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this story, Lord. I thank you that the gospel really is for everyone, Lord. We all get an opportunity to be involved, Lord. We all get an invite to the banquet, Lord. And I thank you that that involves uh, our lives changing, Lord. That involves us reflecting you, God. I want to pray for each of us, Lords. Would we not go home from this place, today, Lord, without encountering you, Lord? For those on the edge, I pray right now, would you just start to encourage them to come into the banquet, Lord? I pray that there'd be people who just make that decision this morning to build on your foundation, Lord. I pray there'd be people who choose to have you as the cornerstone, Lord. Just even now, I pray, would you start to speak to people right now? Would you start to encourage people right now that this can be the moment that their lives are changed, Lord. It's just as we heard in those baptisms this morning, Lord, this can be the moment for them that they say, yes, I'm all in. Yes, I'm following you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word, your life-giving word, Lord. And we thank you that we are part of the glorious banquet. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.